Good afternoon, and welcome to the Carolina Codecast, the official podcast of the Carolina Code Conference. I'm your host, Barry Jones, and with me today is Robert Roskam. Say hello, Robert. Well, hello there. Thanks for joining us today. And so, Robert, you, uh, so, so what are you up to these days? I think you know, you're with Pantheon now, right? Yep. I'm an engineering manager at Pantheon. Okay. You can elaborate on what Pantheon is if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. Maybe I can get him to sponsor uh, the show one day. <laughs> perhaps. Uh, uh, Pantheon is a web host. Uh, we host uh, WordPress and Drupal sites. I suppose I should probably be on brand and say that uh, we are a uh, web ops platform. So we provide web more ops. than hosting. Yeah. What do you consider web ops? Uh, anything that you can get to with the browser. So HTTPS uh, kind of stuff. We're meant to like uh, automate the management of websites. So if you compare us to, uh, you know, I'm going to go off brand now and be like, hey, if you go uh, to any other uh, commodity vendor, you can find a server for five bucks. We're not a good com comparison to that because uh, you have to uh, manage your own database and manage all your other different pieces. And we handle all that automation management for you. So we're sort of a bunch of different things together in a box that you don't have to worry about. And you get them just by uh, virtue of paying for uh, a flat rate. Yeah. And even then, like the, our, I would say like, if you have one website, we might be fine. 10 websites better, 100 websites. Yeah, yeah, that's our customer, 100 websites, right? So anyone who's got yeah. a large book of websites and need to manage a lot of them. Well, I got to, uh, I got to use Pantheon a few years ago with, uh, with a company that I work for and they hosted a pretty high traffic WordPress site there. It was a really good experience. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, yeah, I was so very impressed with, uh, with the, the approach and the management and the, and the polish that went into it in terms of, you know, helping you to get your different environments up and running and, and make it easy for a yeah. team of people to work on it. Cause it can be a little tough to sometimes collaborate on a WordPress site. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we basically um, automate the dev test live that a lot of people say that they want to do, and then they have a hard time maintaining themselves on a small team. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, so you uh, you were originally slated to speak at the Carolina Code Conference and had to bow out at the last minute due to illness. Thank you for not spreading it to everybody else. So we, we yeah, I figured no one else would get COVID. Yeah. I, I took, I took a COVID test the, uh, the day before I was like, uh Oh, I got, I, I don't have the COVID, but, but feels like the COVID. So yeah. I, I, you know, bowed out and, uh, the following Monday I did have COVID. So yeah, oh, I was yes. glad, glad That's, that I, I didn't, didn't turn it into a super spread event. Yeah. Yeah. I, I greatly appreciate that also. But uh, we missed having you there. It ended up going well. This is the uh, this is actually the, the mug I keep telling you about that you didn't get because you weren't there. I, I realized, uh, and, and I hate to tell you this now, um, mm -hmm. I think I gave your mug away to one of the volunteers who was helping out. So That's fine, man. Yeah, I was just trying to get rid of the extra inventory at the end, everybody who'd been helping throughout the day. And uh, yeah, so... I, I have so many mugs just floating around. It's, it's, it's just fine, right? So like... You know, I have this mug. I'm sure you recognize this mug. So uh, yes, yes, I, I do. I actually, for a long time, I had like a bucket of like six of those. But <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So for for anyone who's who's listening and can't see, that's uh, he was holding up some mugs from a company that we used to work for together a long time ago. But mm -hmm. um, so you weren't able to speak at the at the conference. We hated not having you there. But uh, you did just get to give you know, give your talk at the first ever hat greenville nights event uh hosted over mm -hmm. at openworks and so that yeah, was, was like october 12th i believe yeah it was like 50 How 60 people there it was yeah. great it was a really solid crowd good food too yeah uh it was uh it was great it was a kickoff of the tech scene again in, in the upstate here in uh, greenville south carolina centered yeah. but uh yeah it was great to uh be like, all right, you know, the COVID, you know, not completely, but like mostly over here, let's get together and like kick things off again. Yeah. So what'd you think of the event? What'd you think of the setup? It was a unique structure compared to other meetups that I've been to in the area before. 
Yeah, it was interesting. So I was the first of two talks and it was unusual uh, as an unusual feeling to be like, hey, I'm head to head with another talk that I'm giving at a meetup and people have to pick. Right. Yep. And these things aren't recorded. And so it was uh, yet. Uh, uh, yeah, yet. Yeah, but it was kind of cool to have uh, a bunch of people show up and I didn't actually expect it to be quite that large. Like we have, uh, I don't think I helped, helped, yeah, helped uh, manage. Uh, uh, I started the Python meetup, uh, the local user group here in Greenville in like 2015 or so. Yeah. And I was at like several different other ones, like the .NET one. Uh, and let's see, I went to the JavaScript one that was here. Uh, been went of course the Elixir one, the Ruby one. I've been to all the different user groups uh, mm -hmm. and helped run a couple different ones. This was the first time I'd ever been to a user group where the quantity of the people that signed up was lower than the people, the quantity of the people that showed up. <laughs> and by we had a bunch of yeah, it was like it was supposed to be. I think it was fifty five signed up. Something like that, 54, 55, and then yeah. we had easily 60 people there. Yeah. 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 I guess that's I guess that's right. It was it must have been the taco bar that really brought everybody out. And they heard there was gonna be a taco bar with a little Mike and Jess barbecue there. I mean mm -hmm. there were there were homemade sauces from some of the various volunteers and they, they did a great uh, they did a really great job with it. It was it was delicious food and they even had ice cream sandwiches for dessert, which is uh, which yeah. was a nice touch. But they brought everybody out of the woodwork for this. Bill Yanov was out there, um, and so the way they the way they set it up, they had um, basically four speakers total. Uh, they had you and and um, Zach Robichaud, I think it was. I think I say say his name. He gave the talk. Yeah, yeah. You, the, the PHP yes. the Laravel talk. Yes. Um, yep. And then there was uh, Ryan Lancio who gave his. Um, uh, preparing your workspace using culinary techniques uh, talk, which which I thought was pretty interesting. And then Pete um, gave a, uh, you know, I, I saw the debate after on, on LinkedIn about how it was described. So how would you describe the Pete talk? Well, I didn't attend the Pete talk, so I can't describe it. I've discussing it a lot online afterwards in terms of, you know, routines versus scheduled days and whatnot. I, I, yeah, I more about just diligence in your in, in your intentions for how you're going to spend your day. Yeah, like there was a I, I mowed it. Uh, the, the thing being referenced is uh, Pete basically had a, a follow on uh, LinkedIn post. Uh, I think it was the day after, yeah. and uh, he raised a question of like that he didn't have a great answer for uh, for his talk, and I didn't hear his talk at all. But it was basically a person who uh, uh, described self-described as a creative being like, well, um, you, you know, routines are great and all, but what if I'm a person who like thrives better underneath no routine whatsoever? I'm like, I just fundamentally have a hard time believing that. Right. Um, I have a hard time believing that there's um, that you want no routine whatsoever. And I differentiate that from schedule. Because usually people like to have, like to do one thing and then another thing, another thing. It's very human to go ahead and do things over and over again in a, in a particular order. Yeah. Um, and if you do things in no order whatsoever and think that's the best way to live, I'm like, okay, I've actually yet to meet that person. You'll right? never be bored. Uh, yeah. yeah, you'll never be bored. Um, but like my, I don't think I fully fleshed out my argument because we're actually starting to run out of word count. <laughs> I was like the people, the, the people who are like the most pro prolific writers and well known to be, you know, they're not bad writers. They have routines that they do each day. They may not schedule them exactly the same. Most of them do actually. Yeah. Um, but like the idea of um, following a schedule and following an intention and being like, at this time, I'm going to do this. Even if they're loosey-goosey, right? Like, I'm going to do this one, and then afterwards, I'm going to do this one, and then afterwards, I'm going to do this one, and it's going to take about this long. It's, yeah. It's, on the, it's better on the creative than... Side, I, think the, uh, I think the answer to that might be carrying a notebook or keeping a pad around so that when inspiration mm -hmm. strikes you, you can capture it. Um, 
that's probably more how, you know, whether you actually sit down and write everything at once, or you're just trying to conceptualize right. everything. And yeah, it, it might be, uh, you know, I, I definitely have to say it. I always, I always wonder if there are certain things that just follow a popular narrative and people just begin to, to say that, oh yeah, well, I'm, I am this way. Therefore I couldn't possibly have a schedule or, or something along those lines. Um, similar to how it, it became really internet meme popular for everybody to, to say they're an introvert. And I don't know how many people who say they're introverts are actually introverts compared to just maybe a little shy. Um, cause you know, years ago I would have considered myself an introvert and my wife is an actual introvert. You would never confuse our two sets of behavior. Like I'm, I'm definitely much more, I'm, I'm much less shy now and I'm happier to be out around a crowd just because I got past the shy aspect of it. But uh, crowds yeah. literally drain her. Yeah. Like uh, I'm trying to, trying to think here, like on the, whenever I've personality tests, people have different opinions about them. But whenever I've taken them, I'm usually like right on the line, right? It's so like whatever I've been doing too much of recently, I'm on the other, I'm on the other end of it. So if I'm been around to, you know, uh, been around too many to prevent some large groups of people that I don't know, then I'm an introvert is what I, what I score as, right? And then yeah. vice versa is also true. That makes sense. Yeah. Sense. But yeah, like... One of the so things how, like, how'd you like the extrovert opportunities at Hack Greenville to mingle and talk to everybody? I'm going to segue us back yeah. on track. <laughs> that, uh, this is, you know, this is a conversation, you know, there's, there is no track, right? No. Yeah. Every now and then you do have to, to steer a little bit. <laughs> Fine. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I gave my talk and uh, I sort of intended to go in and listen to another talk afterwards and then just sort of talked for another hour and a half to random people. Right. Yep. Um, Always because right. I hadn't done so in a long time. That makes good sense. So, yeah. So what was your favorite uh, thing besides, besides talking or besides the, giving uh, your, your your, giving your actual talk, what would you say is your favorite thing from, from being there? Um, I, I'm the person who goes to conferences for hallway talks, right? Nice. So, uh, hanging out and talking to all the different people that I, you know, um, haven't met before or haven't seen in a long time. It's the reason why I, I go to events in the first place. Yeah. So, uh, like in, in many ways, like I sort of chose what I was going to do at that point in time for the rest of the evening of, yeah, like this is, this is great what I'm getting to do at the moment. I think there was, uh, I'm forgetting the, the person's name, unfortunately, but we, we talked for a little bit. Um, the person's a career changer and he hasn't, is, it was an interesting career changer because he like knows a lot about programming already. He's going to get a degree and he already had some sort of technical degree. Interesting. And he was just had a hard time uh, getting a, uh, and this what is Dwarves careers because he is a like hands-on uh, technical installation of stuff at the moment. Yeah. But we, we went and talked um, at length about a programming language called Dart and using Flutter. Oh, so, wow. A framework. That, that is interesting. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. familiar, I'm familiar with Dart a little bit. Isn't Dart like sort of a front-end JavaScript type language that Google made? Right. Yeah. And so, so what's yeah. the big selling point for Dart? Now I'm curious. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. The, the, uh, the selling point cast. for Dart. You're allowed to talk yeah. about this stuff. <laughs> the, the, uh, the Dart itself, uh, I've yet to see anyone who's just like, oh, you should use Dart for this. Every It's always contextualized inside of Flutter, right? So uh, the Dart programming language is... Uh, it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you'll find, you can find counterexamples in the same way, but in, Flutter in the same way has sort of dominated the Dart programming language in the same way that Ruby on Rails has dominated Ruby, right? Yeah. So the point of time that people think of, of those as one and the same. 
So uh, anyone who wants to do uh, mobile app development and they don't want to do React Native or they don't want to do just straight native, so doing something in Objective-C or Swift or doing something in uh, Java or Kotlin, they're, they're being like, oh, I, want, I would like another thing. Uh, and for some reason, I want to do cross-platform. Your, your options of languages is limited to like, well, you can do JavaScript and React Native. And there's this other, there's a few other different things like Ionic and stuff like that. And yeah, it's Flutter. All right. So, and Flutter, uh, I've built some stuff at, um, as well. And it's, it's nice. It's pretty nice. I nice. like it. You, uh, you need to, to have a conversation with, uh, with Pete from Simply Binary. You should schedule okay. something as part of your routine to do this because I know he's a huge Flutter fan. Um, and, uh, that uh, that is interesting. I'm actually I'm actually um, I haven't lined up a date yet, but there's a guy who runs a uh, Flutter meetup in Charlotte who we're going to have on the show at some point in the future as well. Um, cool. So uh, be on the lookout for that if you're interested in, in cross-platform mobile app development. But so any, yeah. uh, I mean, what what would you say is the uh, is the biggest selling point to, to Flutter? I've never done any type of mobile app development at all. I've always been curious to do it at some point, but I always end up spending just a lot more time in the back end and the database side of things. And, yeah. uh, but if I was going to, I would definitely want to do something that made my life as easy as possible, like Flutter. So here's the, the, uh, the lesson of doing anything cross-platform. Uh, the selling point of them all is, Hey, you don't have to learn this other programming language that that's part of it. Like you can write it in one, one language and it'll work right. in both. It turns out to always sort of, uh, depending upon the implementation, be a lie in some form or another, right? <laughs> you actually kind of need to know a little in order to be able to make any progress because each of those ecosystems are doing stuff in Android, doing stuff in iOS, is like classic desktop development as opposed to web development. And you have okay. to understand, you, you, you have to use the IDE. Uh, at some level or another that that vendor has made for you. So you have okay. to use at some point in time, one of the, you know, one of the two popular, uh, whichever one you're focused on, you're going to have to go in and there and do something. Okay. You may not need to write a single line of Java or Objective-C or Swift or Kotlin. You may not need to, but you'll at least need to like look at them for a little bit and be like, oh, I have this configuration file that's screwed up in this, this specific way that I need to fix now. So if that sounds familiar to you, it does. Uh, that was, if I recall, no. that was actually your take on uh, on Elixir as well, because you have to learn a little bit of Erlang at some point yeah. if you're going to use Elixir. So this is yeah. I, I'm, so, I'm something a pattern in your in Roscom's programming lessons here. <laughs> yeah. So like it's you always have to sort of like learn uh, the the undergirding thing as well. Otherwise, you're going to have a uh, you're going to be a disadvantage yeah. when trying to work with it. Um, so the uh, the selling point for Flutter is uh, you get a write in one language. It works pretty well in cross platform, uh, and uh, it has lots of things that you makes it feel a little more like JavaScript. It has a component based architecture, so it feels a little bit like doing like a React Native, and in some ways, or programming React. And it is uh, productive enough, right? So like it's got a nice clean CLI and things like that. It's it's pretty nice. Um, the I, I try not to rag on technologies. I've learned better at this point. I take career, 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 everything career, has a career. purpose. Every everything has a purpose. Um, the the there's a criticism of flutter that it doesn't use a lot of the native components that okay. is to say the button that the uh the default button that you have inside of ios or inside of android yeah is not that button that is a the criticism of it uh the criticism uh on the flip side because the other like major competitor in this space is react native React Native uh, wraps those things and, uh, yeah, maps to those things. That's why it's called native. Uh, part of the lie, though, uh, in my opinion, of React Native is that you could uh, use 
web components interchangeably with the native components. And my experience with it was that's not true. Okay. Uh, you, they are not uh, hot swappable with React Native uh, and React. So if you were a React developer, you went in, went in and started just to use your plain old components, you ran into problems pretty quickly. Oh, that makes some but sense. this is true of Flutter. <laughs> you can actually target both web and desktop and uh, iOS and Android, and you don't have to have a couple different trees of types of components. So they don't use the native just so that they can have consistency across platforms, basically. Yeah. So the, the downside of this is that depending yeah. upon what your application is, you you might have some problems with it. But if you're okay with that trade-off, then that's fine, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, worst case, you can always just go and learn Swift and, and Colin and uh, just do it native. Yep. <laughs> on, on each platform. And, uh, you know, I've, I've only ever heard good things about both. There's, there's some people who really swear by Colin. They just absolutely love that language. So, mm -hmm. um, so who knows, you know, can't I, ever I think learn the, too much, right? Yeah. Uh, I recently came across, I don't know, like, uh, uh, I have, uh, I have strange hobbies, man. My most recent hobby was, was like, I wonder which programming languages let me use emojis as variables. <laughs> So I started to look around for programming languages. The only one I came across so far was Swift. Why did you want to do this? I didn't want to do it. I was curious if there was a programming language that would let me. And I came across Swift. Swift's let, oh Swift let me. Oh my so God. I tried a bunch of different things. I was like, surely JavaScript <laughs> left me. I was like, no, it doesn't. It, it made the wise choice here. Oh, my gosh. I was like, I was like, okay, let's see, so let's see if Python's making mistakes. Nope, Python didn't make that mistake. That's good. Did uh, Rust make this space mistake? Go lang. Every all the other ones, obvious ones, like yelled at me. No, don't do that. That's stupid. Please, why? Uh, <laughs> emoji driven uh, development in, in yeah. Swift. No. Yeah. So I'm like, there, uh, uh, there, there's like. Uh, I'm a firm believer that there's probably not such a good thing as like best practices, but there are definitely things as bad practices. <laughs> <laughs> like like oh, the wow. best practices like are probably too far contextual and your context matters a whole lot, but bad practices, I could probably name a few. <laughs> oh my goodness. I I'm, I'm literally speechless right now. I, <laughs> I, I have no idea what to do with that. Like you're gonna have uh, to us back on track at some point here because I don't know where to go yeah, from emoji driven uh, development. Well, you know, uh, as I said, I got weird. I got weird hobbies, man. Weird yeah. hobbies. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd be uh, a little disappointed if you didn't have weird hobbies. Uh, every, every it, it seems like every uh, every deeply technical person that I know will end up finding some type of random interest that just pulls them in a direction that you would never have expected them to go. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm usually trying to figure out how to do something. Uh, when I, when I have, you know, <laughs> when I have some free time uh, and I don't know what to do with myself. And for some reason, I don't want to go out and like go out and touch grass and go on nature some way. Like, uh, and I'm like, I'm in front of a computer. And I don't want to make anything. I'm usually trying to figure out how to abuse things that other people have made in some mm -hmm. way and figure out what's, what's, what's something, uh, uh, something weird or interesting. So it goes all over the place. Like, I, uh, uh, I'll get us back on track here. What was that? So do you have a future in cybersecurity, you think? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Uh, I, I find weird uses for things. So it'll get us back on track. If you go to the refactor Greenville. Oh uh, yeah. Web page, you'll notice that. What is the address of the refactor Greenville webpage, Robert? Refactorgvl.com. All right. I'm going to go have yeah. to visit that. So tell me, Robert, what is refactor Greenville? Oh, well, I'm going to talk about the background first because that's more interesting to me at the moment. <laughs> where did where did Refactor Greenville come from, Robert? I'm going to give you a proper prompt there. I'm going to go right ahead. Let's hear about uh, it. Well, yeah, the Refactor Greenville is this, uh, uh, it's a nonprofit that I uh, uh, created with two other people here in South Carolina. It's meant to be a 
uh, is on a mission to transform the upstate into a nationally recognized tech hub. So we are trying to support, support things here, such as Carolina Code Conference and sponsoring okay. that. Uh, and so it's myself, Richard Lawson. He's an uh, engineering manager over at Colinks. Uh, and David Siglin, who works as a product, I think he's a uh, lead product manager over at uh, Stitch Fix. Nice. And so it was set up by us, but I still have to talk about my background, man. Like, you know, what weird hobbies and stuff. Jump yeah, into the, it. The weird, weird background. So the thing Apparently that I did. One of your weird right? hobbies is trying to turn the upstate into a tech hub. And so I can yeah. relate to that hobby because I'm trying to do the same thing with the conference. I'm trying to, yeah. to create an amplification platform for all of the interesting things that go on around here. Not just in the upstate, but the wider region, but the, the upstate is the central point. Yes. Yeah, that's a, you got it. Uh, you caught so, the, the vision, the spirit. I, I'm going to go ahead and, and preface one thing as we go down the weird hobbies route, though, before mm. we come back to refactor. Um, when I upload this video to YouTube, I have to say whether or not it's kid safe. So mm -hmm. knowing that, route your way on the weird hobbies. Just know that I might have to flag this thing if it's too weird. <laughs> it's not that weird. <laughs> It's not that weird. It's not NSFW weird. Uh, All right. Just had to make sure. I just like, I wanted to give fair warning. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, so in with SVGs, you can do CSS animations on SVGs bound what? to them. Yes. So maybe um, you could like pop them up and color them different stuff and, and do all sorts of stuff with sizes, but. But, you know, I, I, yeah. I feel like I've actually seen, like, animated graphs with F, with SVGs. Is that kind of the same idea? Yeah, I'll share it here to you, whether or not you you can see it come across here. You see the background? See those dots moving around? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That's an SVG that's in the background that is semi-transparent with a couple different layers. But the SVG itself is an object that's embedded with that, that animation code with CSS inside of it. That is really slick. It looks better, of course, on your own monitor and stuff like that. Uh, this is going across the wire and stuff, but that yeah. is the, uh, uh, I had the, I think it was David who was like, I need something cool in the background. I'm like, I'm like with an animation, he's, he's like, I'm like, man, he's like, Robert, can you come up with something? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know animations. He's like, I believe in you. I'm like, fine. 30 minutes later, I had this. <laughs> that is that is a really slick effect, and that's just so, SVG and CSS right there. Yep, yep. Man, that's really cool. So, so this is, you know, I me that continue on the uh, theme of using weird, using technology in ways that's not exactly not meant to be used for, but just trying to, like, push it in weird ways and be like, can I do this, right? Because he wanted a weird animation. It's like, I know how to do stuff with SVGs. Can I do CSS and do uh, keyframes and transitions and stuff? Because that's all that is. Well, you know, I've seen people use uh, DNS as a key value store just for as a distributed key value store, and so <laughs> I, I can definitely support the uh, the idea of, of of taking things down really weird paths that way. That is something I actually mentioned just this morning to someone else. I was like, I wonder if <laughs> I was like, I wonder if they're like. There's all this space that's available in DNS. Like if you own a domain, you just get for free. All you have to do is just probe it every once in a while and it gets propagated out for you. I'm like, mm -hmm. I wonder if there's a way to use this. I don't think you should use it as like a, a distributed store, but you can. <laughs> you can. You can. You just you have to you have to take cache and validation strategies with uh, where you're where you're changing the keys because you can't count on them expiring in a reasonable amount of time on their own if you're going to make changes. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, well, uh, there are definitely interesting things you can do with a DNS. But what if you combine it with a concept like CRDTs, where you have a con, con Explain conflict? Explain CRDTs for our audience real quick. Oh, goodness. Um, I'm not a super, super expert in this one, but basically it is a, <clears throat> a way to do, um, a use case for it would be like Google Docs, where you have multiple different people typing the same th 
in the same document at the same time. Okay. What happens if one of those, well, if there's a network partition and one of those goes off online, goes offline? Uh, how does Google Docs reconcile a person who's continued to work with the rest of the work that's being done? So this is sort of a a specific application of like cap theory, right? You can pick right. three: consistency, availability, or partition tolerance. And uh, generally speaking, CRDTs are a method by which uh, for you to do something other than an algorithm like the raft algorithm to do consistency and to get eventual consistency. And so okay. CRDTs uh, basically use set theory um, in some implementations, the ones that I'm familiar with. And if you, with set theory, uh, repeat an operation, you uh, get an indipotent response. So if I add one to a set and then I add another one to the set, to the set, I still have one. I don't have two ones. I have one, a single one. If I add two to the set, I still have two. And so if you have a series of operations of adding one, 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 and it gets, uh, you know, you don't have to debounce it in any way like that. It just, you just coalesce those values together. So I can imagine combining together CRDTs with DNS and making a distributed key value store where there's some sort of software that sits on the edge uh, to translate those in and out. And you don't have to worry about cache and validation because yeah. you just write new records of some kind or other two new fields and know about this other, uh, those other keys. That is an interesting thought. Interesting. How are, how am I going to use it anytime soon? No idea. Right. Yeah. It was just a thought of like, I could, I mean, I could combine the two together. Look, so half, I have, half uh, the fun of, of doing anything with technology is because you can. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's not necessarily a good idea. I mean, goodness gracious, if, if I can ever make this, uh, make the conference website come together, it's going to be weird and it's going to be pointless and you would never do what we're going to do on this thing. And the entire reason to do it is because we can, and because it'll be funny. Yeah. <laughs> so. Please tell me it's going to be something like, you know, the Space Jam uh, website from the no. 90s. It's not not going to be Do that. More. Not on the design, no more on the on the architecture side. We're going to oh. do. Um, the goal is to have every single page that you visit be served by a different programming language. <laughs> <laughs> that, Please that tell me you're also using multiple different infrastructures and different and different deployments of the same kind, right? So, like one yep. place you're using AWS, another one you're using GCP, and one place you're using a container, another place you know, you're using a Lambda. <laughs> we don't want to be ridiculous, Robert. I mean, come on now. No, the, the, the idea is essentially we're going to have one database backend and we're going to have multiple APIs generated in different programming languages or created in different programming languages by, by volunteers. Um, and then we're going to deploy each API to, uh, to a Kubernetes cluster and we're going to randomly serve you from one of those different languages. And we're going to tell you which language served you the page that you're visiting. Uh, when you do it. And then volunteers can get in and they'll be able to, to compete kind of like the tech and power benchmarks to see if they can make their stuff go faster and, and whatever else. And if they have a favorite language that they want to see represented, if they want to, they want to say this page was served to you by Swift using emoji variables, you know, here's a page that does it and here's proof. We'll like show you a little sample of the code or something if you want to. But, uh, but yeah, I, I figure it's, you would never do it, do it in, uh, for any reason other than just because you can, but, I think it'll be fun to do for the conference personally. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. And, and for like, uh, I, I'm, I'm that eclectic, eclectic just in general, right. In my interest period. Cause like yeah. if anyone who looks at value looks behind me, they're like, what is going on with Robert's background? Cause it's all over the place. Like I got, I got cardboard over there. I got that thing right there. I got a spool of, copper wire. Why do I have all those th different things? Why not? Right. I'd be disappointed so, if you didn't. I mean, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess I have to, you know, put on like my, uh, my, you put on your refactor. You'll actually yeah. have hats yet. Cause you know, it's a good looking logo. I could definitely see you doing hats with those. Yeah. I, I, I told David is like, I kind of feel like I need one of those on a trucker hat. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, it seems like a thing. Uh, it does. So Dave was the one who did the logo, uh, but like activity wise right now, it's been pretty, uh, 
we have the, we have this goal, right? This large, this larger, lofty goal, and all we're trying to do is just be infrastructure for other people who are already doing things or uh, people who don't know how to get started and uh, want to to do something. That so sounds really vague. It works. I know you're doing some work with with Hack Greenville, the Slack channel, and the kind of brand in general. Um, yeah. So. Are they a good example of the type of thing you're uh, you're looking at, or do you have other examples that you'd kind of like to? Sure, they're they're and they're they they're a first example. Okay. So they already exist as a a bunch of different people doing something together in the community, and they have a problem that they've had in the past, which is when someone decides they want to be done, then you now have a new problem of, hey, I need to quit. I need to hand all the things that I own because this is like a community effort. So it's basically a, a, a bunch of people got together in a parking lot somewhere and put all their cars around and hung out for a bit. And then someone's like done. And they're like, well, I'm the person who's been in charge of bringing the water. Someone else needs to bring the water now because I'm done. Yeah. And all we're trying to do is provide a little bit of structure there. So when people want to quit, there's a place for them to drop stuff. That's it. Something to actually own things. And that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, we, we saw it with, uh, with a lot of meetups. Um, like I know one of, one of my favorite meetups to go through for years was the upstate PHP meetup. And because, and the reason I liked it was because they were really broad in their topics, really anything around web development was, mm. was open. I gave them, I gave a go talk at uh, the upstate PHP meetup one time. And, uh, and it wasn't, um, and they were, they were happy to have a wide variety and there was probably, I mean, they regularly had about 30 people there. I feel like and it was, it was running really well. And you had, you had two people running it. You had, um, uh, you had Adam from orange coat and Ryan, uh, McAllen, uh, also, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then Stephen Wade actually was, was also really, really involved there. And then at some point, everybody you know, like Adam moved, Ryan kind of, he, did a little bit of a career shift, but we got him back for, for the, uh, for the code conference. He, he made it out to the conference this year. And so we're trying to bring him back in the fold. He was a staple of the community for a long time. And, uh, cool. and Stephen Wade, you know, had kids and that makes you busy. Yes. <laughs> and he also went back and I think he actually went back to school and worked on a, and to get his degree and to get his comp sci degree, I believe. But, uh, but he got busy also. And then, we couldn't find anybody who was willing to take it over and keep running it. And it's this thing that had been established for like 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did not have time to do it at that point in time. And if you yep. go out and, you know, it's one thing to take it over, but if you're going to hand it off and you can't find somebody to, uh, to run it consistently, do you want to be an army of one just responsible for coming out and saying, all right, well, I'm going to do this every single week. If you've never done it before, uh, you know, do you want to deal with the with the guidance and the and the calendar and running the meetups and how to how to handle mm -hmm. the communication? Like I know when I when I took over the conference, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> All I knew was that I needed to talk to people a lot to to get stuff going. But the the thing that I had going for me was that we hadn't had one since 2019, so it was kind of like it was starting from scratch anyway. I wasn't you know changing the tires while we were on the road. Um, it's true, but uh, but it was. I could definitely see the the need for that. I, I know that's been really near and dear to to Jim's heart from from Hat Greenville as well. As you know, he sees things growing and wants to make sure that there's there's that uh, that infrastructure there and that support system because mm -hmm. I imagine it can it can wear you out if you're if you're starting to try something and you're not getting a lot of a lot of fights or interest. So yeah. Um, so the the main goal of uh, Refactor Greenville in general is just to be a uh, it's a legal entity. It's a five hundred one three C. Okay. Um, we're uh, we're also registered with the state, so people can in fact donate money to us. <clears throat> we're we're allowed to go out and solicit. Nice. And the the kinds of things that we're looking to do are things like Hack Greenville is already doing, and just be like, hey, do you want uh, do you want to be able to like have uh, like a, a place where you can put passwords right to things yeah or do you want what do you what do you all need to, to keep doing what you're all already doing and you just have to do fewer things because there's one entity that can just sort of backstop you all um, so yeah um, we're we want to see that uh, we're 
I would say like constituency were the the people that do things in tech as opposed to like there's other interests, right? Like there's the employer side, there's the investor side. We found sort of in, in Greenville, this is probably not unique, right? But in general, a lot of tech scenes in cities are driven by um, can I start a business and get investors or can I start a business and find employees? And then there's this other constituency of like, there's the people who actually like to do things in tech, you know, they're actually interested in the tech itself or, or making the business with tech, right? Like, but they're the makers of things. um, And they want to be able to get together and and meet other people. Yeah. Those are the kinds of people that we see as our constituency. Nice. Nice. I I think so. That was actually, I remember Jim talking about that was one of the things that he wanted to do with the, uh, with this uh, quarterly-ish Hack Greenville Nights format too, is the reason he wants to have more than one talk is that if you've got a meetup that you're looking at starting or you wanted to start a group in, a, in the area and rather than just starting a meetup cold, you could apply to give a talk about you know the, the subject or, or starting the meetup at Hack Greenville Nights when there's going to be a wider audience there. And mm-hmm. then you can see if that's going to be something that will from there kind of launch into being a meetup. And I thought that was a great idea. Because if, you know, um, so I, this is esoterically connected. Just trust me on this for a second. Uh, so years ago, I, uh, I ran a, I started a poker game when I was in college, uh, when I was in grad school, I, uh, I, I, we did a little $10 poker game and, uh, it just was an excuse to get people to come out to my apartment and, uh, and play cards for a little bit. I was really into to rounders at the time. That movie was really popular and it was you know, early two thousands. Um, the, uh, the poker scene was really, was really big, but we did a little $10 game. It was, uh, you know, when I was in college, it was, I could eat a little bit better for the week if, if I had a good night, but, um, but you, you do it and you do it weekly uh, or sometimes twice a week because, you know, you were in college and bored and had time to do more of that. But the turnout, you know, sometimes you'd get, you know, you schedule the entire thing, you plan on it, you plan your time around it, and then no one would show up. And then other times mm-hmm. you'd get one person, two people, and you couldn't really do what you want to do. But consistently of doing it over and over and over, eventually you start getting your, your regulars and it becomes a thing. But those early yep. times when you're getting started, when only a couple people or hardly anybody shows up, or if you've been going for a little while and you have a dead night, it can really be depressing. I mean, you've got a, the mm-hmm. consistency of being willing to stick with it and having that support system around you saying, no, we want to see this thing succeed. Here's some help. Here's ways we can get the word out. Here's, or, or if, if you're looking for, you know, how could I have done this better? You'll have people like yourself who have, who have run meetups and, and, uh, and other events and people like Jim who can help to, to make this thing happen again, to give advice and uh, to help you figure out where you could steer things. And, uh, and yeah. I like, that. I think that's, I think it's an, a very overlooked, but critical aspect of, of something that we need here to kind of help things grow the, you know, yeah. you almost call it the fertilizer for the, for the growing community. Yeah. Like one of the things like, mm. I kind of believe that one of the things that's necessary for this is money. Right. So that's why we have 501 C three. Yeah. So we can have mile money pile up together. Oh, that's why I'm constantly like, for the conference. So if anyone's listening, we need sponsors. <laughs> uh, and piling money together in one spot helps a lot, right? But yeah. if if you are a person who wants to put on a meetup and you say you're, you're well enough off, right? You have enough money, you have your free time, you could go off and do this kind of thing. You're not having to make a choice in your life of do I feed myself or do I go do this thing, right? So right. putting that caveat there, right? Um, so you have this, uh, this thing you want to do, you can go out there and you can do it solo and you can try to like bring an audience to you to talk about something that you're passionate about and then try to get someone else as passionate enough as well to be able to show up there and give a talk or however the format is, right? You can do all that, but that's a lot, a lot of different things to have to learn. And one of the things that I've uh, have a moderately strong opinion on is like, you know, motivation and means aren't enough, right? Like, uh, 
in order to be successful in something. You usually, there's usually some level of mentorship that also has to go along with it. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how, like how much money you have and how much interest you have. If you decide that, Hey, I would like to do some sort of activity or, um, or skill, and you decide to ignore the universe of all the advice out there and put blinders on and only do it from how you just try to self-discover it, that you're yep. going to be in for a hard time. Mm -hmm. Now, like, I, I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm just saying I've never met someone who's done the less extreme version, which is like read it out of a book and then go do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you learn so much by trying by trying to do it, then you actually learn from doing a book. You kind of want both. But then you also, uh, if someone else can come along and like, hey, there's this, there's this minor thing. If you do this a little bit different, it's going to be way better. And it's difficult to get across in text. It's difficult to get across in uh, video demos or anything else like that because it has nothing to do with showing the right way to do it. It's showing, it's correcting the mistake that you made, right? And the, the mistake... The mistake, everyone makes mistakes in a unique way. And so my favorite example of this one is like riding a bike is a thing that a lot of people learn how to do. I've yet to hear of someone who's learned how to do it out of a book. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying I've never met the person. And if you, there, this is true, I believe, of other skills. And one of them is also doing things like these local tech meetups and stuff like that. Yeah. And if you go there and you attach yourself to uh, what we're trying to build with Hack, with Hack Greenville, of like a default place where people can go to on a quarterly basis to be like, hey, I want to give a talk. You can see how things get done and you can ask. You know, it's meant yeah. to be a support structure for other people. And we're trying to backstop even them because like uh, right now, uh, uh, Hack Greenville has to go out. It's not a big deal, but they have to go out and ask for money. And they yeah. have to have space and everything else like that. And that's mostly on Jim's shoulders right now, right? Mm -hmm. If Jim at some point in time, you know, wants to take a break out of that, uh, it would be great to have someone who has an official owner, some sort of officialness that's beyond, lives beyond one person. So the thing that's been built up can live beyond that one person. I'm not yeah. saying everything in existence has to be like that, but like, it seems reasonable to try to backstop that kind of thing and be like, Hey, Absolutely. we'll go and make, we'll figure out how to like promote events. Right. And things like hack Greenville nights. So we'll figure out what it is to like message and market these things over time. So the people who are the, the, the makers and workers and the coders in the space will show up to the right places. Yeah. And the events are like one thing. Another thing that I, I believe that probably needs to exist in, in this sort of, mentorship and like continuing to interact with someone who's actually done something before it, you've experienced this. I'm sure you go off to learn a new skill and something in tech mm -hmm. and your choices are generally speaking, uh, I'm going to go watch how to do it on YouTube or I'm going to buy a book about it. Yep. Um, that's where all these came because, from. <laughs> yeah, because literally, um, there's probably someone like other career fields have continuing education, right? They have people whose jobs it is to, on a part-time basis. They do a thing for a full time and then they go somewhere and they teach some sort of CE thing. Yep. That's, you can, you don't have to make a full-time job out. It's just a thing you can do on the side. Like that's one of the things I'm also like trying to push forward. I I'm hoping that we don't have to like run the whole thing, but yeah. like if there's like, night classes it's like uh, a four-week one-shot on graphql right and acquire some skills about graphql or doing um open api spec or doing um con something containers or you get the idea right like yeah. there's a bunch of different things like that, oh, that just i know that yeah you can ask chat gpt <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll, I'll let you take it down that road however you want to. Right? I'm kidding. Like, I'll, ChatGPT is like the uh, the sophomore in college who learned about all these topics in his freshman years and is, is expert, right? And will talk at length about them. And when you, if you actually know anything about the topics, you every once in a while will like push back and be like, hey, I don't think that's right. It's like, I'm sorry, you're right. I was wrong. 
<laughs> so somehow I was able to like like combine both the sheer confidence of that that sophomoric uh, personality and also a, a self reflection to be like, hang on, I was wrong about that. And then yeah. sometimes it's, it's, it will persist in being wrong too, right? So yeah, I, I have actually used ChatGPT a little bit, and on the on the rare occasion that I that I do use it every now and then. If I didn't already know what I was doing, uh, it would be an absolute mess because mm. you know, they give you some things that are helpful and then other things that are not helpful. And if you don't have a good way of determining what's what or understanding what doesn't belong, um, you're going to go down some weird paths. <laughs> but at yeah. other points, it's, it's really helpful. If I'm, if I'm ever looking for a good code example, of, of something that I can't find a good answer on with, uh, with Google these days. Um, usually even the most random weird things, it's, it's good. And I'm, uh, I was, I was very surprised by some of that stuff. So, yeah, the, the kind of like the, the, the nuance of certain things are like when it, um, hallucinates things and hallucinates things confidently. Yeah. So, um, are some of the ones that are difficult to work with. So I know some people at, at work that use the uh, GitHub Copilot, yeah. and they use it. And the company has a CLI that they make, right? So they make a CLI for the purposes of interacting with their product, right? And it consistently suggests combinations for their CLI that don't exist and have never existed but it thinks should exist and will suggest to them for, and like putting in docs and things like that and how to interact with it. So they just sort of have to turn it off. Right. Yep. So it's, like, that's uh, like one there's, and there's another one of like, um, when languages evolve and get better, or at least, uh, that's one side of it. There's also like the bad practices side of things where like, yeah. it'll suggest you like SQL injections and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the more obvious one, but like the less like, horrendous one I recently came across was, I believe, uh, I did some interaction with it here point at some point in time with some JavaScript and it suggested a for loop for JavaScript, which is totally valid syntax. Um, but in a context where most people would actually uh, use a map these days. And so it's not that it's wrong. It's just sort of has the whole internet's history of opinions and normalizes that yeah. to being like for loops were uh, the thing 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And it's completely, well, more than yeah, yeah. 15 years and ago. That's, that's actually, this isn't necessarily AI related, but in, in a similar sense, like years ago, I needed to, um, I needed to implement an anti-spam solution for a, uh, for a messaging tool. Uh, and mm -hmm. we were seeing a lot of very specific uh, spam going over the messaging system that was that was within our our platform. And so, having never written an anti spam algorithm before, I had no idea what I was doing. And so, I started looking for off the shelf solutions, things that you could plug into that might have a, a smarter idea about this. And so, I the the really popular one at the time. I don't know if it's still popular anymore, but the really popular at the time was something called Kismet. Um, and it was uh, really popular for uh, for anti-spam on you know, specifically with like WordPress blogs. Um, but the type of spam that we were seeing within our system wasn't the same type of spam that you get and that you would get in blog comments. And so because it was essentially seeded based on what it was seeing in all these WordPress blogs over the, around the world, it didn't help at all with what we were doing internally because it wasn't targeted towards the problem. And so we ended up just building our own and oddly enough, it really wasn't that difficult to do it um, because it was, I think we used the, uh, oh, what's the algorithm called? Levenstein distance algorithm. We used oh, Levenstein yeah. distance to, to detect uh, similarity and uh and ended up setting up like a, a catch and release based on your, the recent patterns from your account. And so we basically just, looked at the spam that was coming from you and just compared it to the other stuff you were sending. If you were sending a lot of very similar or the same stuff and it worked great. Right. Yeah. It, it cut down on almost everything that we were seeing because people would create an account and they blast the same type of stuff out everywhere. And then you could just adjust the percentage of some sim similarity that you counted against based on 
uh, how new the account was or how well engaged the account was. The more established accounts, we would give a lot more leeway. And, uh, and it worked great. It was a, it was a real simple solution that worked, but, uh, you know, I, I imagine when you're dealing with something like Copilot, it's a similar thing. They're like, okay, we have the whole internet opinion version, or do I want just what's within my application? And so there's another one of the AI dev tools that, um, I don't know if they're still doing it, but it's called Codium. Uh, and it's got all the various, uh, plugins for your IDs and everything. And it's, uh, they're basically writing their own. And if you, it's got a little built-in chat thing right now, right in VS code or whatever you're, you're using, but it uses your own code base as, as it's, as it's anchor for everything. And mm. it'll make suggestions based on what it sees in your code base to match like the coding style that you're using or things that it sees referenced elsewhere that might be like, oh, you know, how do I look this up or whatever? And, and it's, it's really good. Uh, it's not going to give you the whole internet's worth of knowledge, but it will definitely make good recommendations to you based on what it's seeing within your own code. And uh, it's, it's very targeted that way. And I think, I don't know, I, again, I don't know if they're still doing it, but for a little while they were giving a, um, they were giving free lifetime accounts to um, the early adopters. And so I got a free lifetime account. So I'm a little biased, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with the result of, of what it's, what it's done. But uh, yeah. And so cool. I'm, I'm trying to remember how we got on this path. But uh, where did we go from here? I'm trying to remember how to segue back on. We, we, we've gone well, everywhere here. So we came I, to the I, I warned you. summary factor. Yeah. We, we were, uh, the line was uh, uh, all the line backwards. I can go either direction, <laughs> but I'll do it backwards. Line was the conversation. The uh, chat GPT. <laughs> uh, we were talking about... Um, uh, a particular, we were talking hmm. about, we were talking about refactor Greenville and it's, and it's uh guardrails for you for everything for, for getting meetups set up and the, the guidance mm -hmm. and learning things yeah. in the book versus learning things on YouTube versus being able to ask people for advice. And, right. uh, yeah. and, and, the rest and of I the made the joke about chat GPT and it took us down that whole path. So I apologize for that. Right. <laughs> right <fine. laughs> but asking people yeah, in I, person for advice is definitely definitely the way to go. There's no substitute for experience, especially experience when you're, when you're local. I mean, whenever yeah, I came for the conference, I had a bunch of people like yourself that, that helped me out with that. Yeah. It has to be can like contextualize experience. Right. Yeah. And, uh, because there's a problem that usually this is, uh, the, another one of those things that I sort of deeply believe I sort of referenced earlier is like, I don't think there's such a necessarily such a thing as, best practices. I think there's bad practices. And yes. one of the reasons why I think there's not necessarily such a thing as best practices is because there's too much context that's usually needed to figure out whether or not something's best for you, uh, whatever the problem is. And so uh, I, I, sh I tend to eschew dogma that way, right? Of like, this is the this this is the way it must always be the way and like greenfield and things like that and like truly greenfield like brand new company then there's a lot more there but i also tend toward like the boring technology philosophy of like you have only so many innovation credits to spend uh with a group of people and so like if that. you're experimenting on too many different ideas at the same time that is to say if you're using technology you've never used before uh on a programming basis, on a database basis, you go down the line. You uh, you don't you don't know what you're doing, and you're going to find wind up sp spending time uh, sh yak shaving somewhere. Right? <laughs> There's going to be some yak that you didn't intend to shave that's getting shaved. Why? Well, because there's uh, uh, this doesn't come from a specific context. So, yeah. so, but there's like a Cassandra database on a particular old version and you're in there for some reason needing to update the driver for your particular programming language that uh, was no one has any support for uh, anymore because it left it behind. You, you spend a lot of innovation credits uh, being like, I'm going to be an early adopter in something or another that no one else does. And all of a sudden you find yourself over here shaving this yak. You know, this could be in Haskell. I, I don't know. This, who knows? 
that expression, <laughs> I still don't know how yak shaving became a a mainstream expression in programming. <laughs> oh, I, I traced this down. Uh, uh, of course you is, did. You know, <laughs> of course yeah. you did. Let's hear it. Now we this have is to the, go. This is, yeah, this, there's, there's a, uh, I think I started to write up, because I have my blog, right? Blog.robertroscom.com. And I, I tend to do this intersection of this of of things. I like this inter, I like the intersection of like how people make software, best uh, practices that tend to send you in the right direction, right? right? So like recommended practices. I prefer to use that language as opposed to best, right? Uh, and then also. Uh, human language and how humans interact with stuff. So like I like my post that I put out this morning was like maxims and manifestos of makers of software of makers of software. So like where, going back where to was that post, Robert? Uh blog.robertroscom.com. Blog.robertroscom.com. All right. Oh, I see what we're doing right now. Anyway, go ahead. Um but uh yeah the uh, yak shaving was came from, as I seem to recall, MIT, and it was a like memo that someone sent out referencing what someone else was saying inside the organization, saying like, hey, like a lot of people attribute it to uh, Seth Seth Godin in two thousand five, but okay. from before that, um, and it's a person talking about doing activity that's unproductive because yeah that uh, doing yeah doing activity that's unproductive and and the people attribute it to i'm looking at here uh carlin viri but that's as far as i know not even correct because when the person let's see carlin viri nope uh that might be might be correct uh, there's a memo and I'll share this on my screen real quick. Maybe this will be the last one because this will be the, you know, we truly went all over the universe here, but yep. here's the old memo. Oh, wow. <clears throat> you can see that there was a Girl Scout benefit, uh, <laughs> but it was, but this is the original example I could, uh, came across. So it was Carlin Beery who innovated the term. So that makes it look like it it seems like you're doing something that's unproductive, but you're you're doing it because of the chain of events that led you to it. Correct. Interesting. That's the, the argument is that uh, the, I was basically going back to like the uh, innovation credits concept of like if you're doing too many things that are brand new, then you're going to wind up in this situation. And you didn't need to, right? You didn't need to innovate in everything, right? Like your innovation can stop somewhere, right? You don't have to both innovate your organizational structure and your project ma management and your technology. You don't have to write your own database and write your own wiki software and whatever, right? If you're, you're uh, ne never invented here is not necessarily what I'm talking about. Like I'm yeah. talking about uh, even like adopting things that other people uh, have done. It's just, it's new and shiny to you and you've never used it before, right? You don't have to innovate on everything. Yeah. And and it's it's interesting how some of the stories of that go go down weird roads too. Because I mean, wasn't, uh, wasn't Slack created because it was like a game company and they created a chat mm -hmm. system and the chat mm -hmm. system became more popular than the game company? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, I, I, I can't remember if that's the actual term or not, but, but I believe that's essentially where it came from. And um, you know, I'm sure at some point somebody was like, you know, you don't really need to be building a chat system. That's not what we're here for. It's like, oh, well, I, I want to. It makes me happy. And then yeah. boom, company. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, it's complicated to like talk about because like uh, for every single one of those where I'm like, you know, you know, don't innovate on everything. I can, you can give me a counter example of that, but like, I know, like there's a guy that I know. Yeah. Uh, who, I'm not arguing uh, with him. There, there are definitely yeah. exceptions. That's all. There are definitely exceptions. There's a guy that I know that their, their, their software is 
uh, very niche. It's like research software. And <laughs> they, they made their own wiki system from scratch. Interesting. You're like, cool. Do they sell it? No, they just use it internally. They will never do, do anything but use it internally. They've had it for a long time. But they're happy with it. And, and uh, they continue to like maintain it and stuff. But like I worked at a couple different places that did a lot of that stuff and like made a lot of their own things uh, internally, including like a time clocking system and including okay. things like like those other kinds of like wiki systems and whatnot. And we like trashed most of them eventually because the amount of time you were spending maintaining those things compared to yeah. what you're supposed to be doing was silly. Focus is hard. Yeah. Focus is very hard. Yeah. As this absolutely. podcast shows. Yeah, absolutely. Man. <laughs> I, I think we're playing to our audience here, Robert. <laughs> but uh, anyway, anything you'd like to, to close out with? I know we're over our uh, allotted hour right now. But uh, you know, big things happening. Refactor Greenville, Hack Greenville Nights, next year's Carolina Code Conference. Y'all are uh, helping to, to make the upstate a, a, a tech hub. And honestly, there's probably one term that you should definitely know. Because apparently this is uh, this is really going to become popular, or there there are people that are really trying to make it popular in in the upstate. They they want to change how we refer to the upstate because anytime people hear upstate, they think upstate New York. And, sure. Uh, and so uh, apparently there's work that's that's happening to try to brand our our corner of of South Carolina here as the the Carolina Crescent. And so yeah. uh, I believe the, the Crescent One building is a little bit part of that. And I think there's uh, going to be a lot of Crescent-oriented innovation. And the basic idea behind it is that if you look at the state flag, that half moon, that Crescent, is in the upper left corner. We're in the upper left corner of the state. Uh, and so that's where it comes from. But I, I thought it was interesting. interesting. So if you see Crescent popping up a lot uh, in the future, then uh, oh. you, know, you can continue. I like that better than other things I've heard. Yeah, you can, you can work on making the, the Crescent a tech hub. Um, but uh, anything else you like that? I kind of gave you a close out there. No, no. Like this is, uh, I don't have anything else going on that I want to talk about in particular, but this was great. Thank you for having me on. All right. Thanks for joining us. And that is the Carolina Co-Cast. And also thank you to uh, Herd Media, who's helped us put this podcast together from the very beginning. Um, with uh, with a lot of coaching and advice and uh, and good con uh, contextualized experience to get us right on the on the right track. See, we can bring it all in. <laughs> so, thank you. This has been the Carolina Codecast. <laughs>